fine. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. It. Don't worry. Relax. We're, we'll be good. You would never do a sporting event without doing warm-ups first. And this podcast requires as much skill as being an Olympic-level athlete. So mm-hmm. more, I think so. Skill. I think that's true. Well, they get to use they get to use um drugs, and I guess I don't know. Yeah, we yeah, get to we use drugs that. also. Yeah. Who says yeah, that we're not on drugs right now? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I ate an edible an hour ago, so I can't. I, I, am, I... I am juicing as it. I, I'm juicing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Progressive Podcast. Uh, it's me, Benjamin, and we've also got Ricky and Matthias and Alex. And also joining us is Brandon Johnson. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks. Uh, last night, uh, the Greater Lansing DSA chapter hosted a screening of uh, George Romero's 1978 film, Dawn of the Dead, and we tuned into it to check it out. And this is my first time watching it, and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I was hoping, Ricky, could you, uh, could you tell us, like, uh, why DSA chose to screen Dawn of the Dead specifically? Yeah, okay, so, um... This was specifically sponsored by Political Education, uh, I want to note, because um, I think, you know, pod, fans of the pod know we like, I think probably know we like horror movies, and I think that horror movies are the easiest place to kind of explore social ideas, right? I mean, this is like obvious shit, but horror movies and sci-fi are like the terrain of ideas in literature, right? Um, this is where we do fables about politics and society, blah, 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 right? Um, so I was like, this is my time to shine. I only like horror movies. What can I make people watch other than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, which is a summer movie, not a Halloween movie. Correct. And mm-hmm. I, uh, there are yeah, masks so in it. I think, sure. Uh, that, that's all the time now. Um, so anyway, Slashers I was, are for the summer. Scream, oh, Texas was, Chainsaw I mean, Massacre, they're for the summer. Okay, yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw is an August movie. Slashers. It's an August movie. It's canon, right? Okay. So anyway, point being, okay, this is this is the the thing. I think the classic choice for a leftist discussion is Romero's first film, which is Night of the Living Dead. Right. This ha- this movie has like a lot of. Um, Notoriety, for example, um, its portrayal of race, right? Other kind of social issues within the film. It has a little bit of Vietnam commentary, etc. This is a late 60s film. Um, but I was watching through some of other Romero's movies and I, I thought about this movie and I was like, well, like, obviously I want to make people watch the mall movie, right? But like the second I turned it on, like five minutes in, it had been a really long time. I watched it like earlier this month, right? It had been a really long time since I had watched this movie. And, like, the first five minutes are, you know, we can set the stage here. We open into a newsroom, a TV newsroom in Pittsburgh, right? And there's a debate happening. There's people in crisis all around this newsroom, and there's a debate happening and being broadcast on television between, I don't actually remember who they're supposed to be, but one of these men's is, men is, like, a doctor expert, right? And this other guy is asking <laughs> this guy, you know, how are we supposed to believe what any of you tell us anymore, right? And I was like, oh, fuck. We have <laughs> like, Dr. 
Dr. Fauci and Black Alice Jones. <laughs> correct, correct. Which, that's the, the theme of the movie, right? Uh, yeah. You know, and then a, a few minutes later, we start seeing National Guard figures, and I was like, oh, shit. That second, I texted friend of the pod, Ross, DS, DSA executive board member and friend of the pod, Ross Fisher, and I was like, we have got to show this movie, because it's extremely relevant. So that's how I personally made the executive decision to make all you watch this movie this week. Very cool. Appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, as Ricky was saying, the movie opens uh, at a TV station. And according to Wikipedia, it's actually it's in it's in um, uh, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so Romero's from Pittsburgh. So I just kind of project Pittsburgh onto it. I think part uh, of the movie is. Yeah. Uh, OK. Yeah. I've always assumed it was Pittsburgh. Yeah. In the movie uh, where the movie starts, like uh, the U.S. is like three weeks into this uh, zombie epidemic um and apparently you know millions of people have died and reanimated um and so yeah there's this argument happening that's being broadcast and that's also where we are introduced to two to two of our main characters uh steven and francine um, and they are planning to basically steal the station's traffic helicopter uh, and uh, take off to safety. Um, and then after that, we learned that uh, the National Guard, uh, it, basically it's being ordered that uh, people have to give their dead over to the National Guard so that they can uh, kill them. Um, and there's like a housing project uh, where people are basically holed up and refusing to hand the debt over. Um, and so the National Guard and the SWAT and a SWAT team shows up to raid this housing project. Um, and this is also where we get uh, Officer Woolley. Uh, who's just like this virulent, brutal racist who is taking advantage of the chaos to um, basically shoot indiscriminately. Uh, at, at blows people. off the head of a black man, just random black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like the move bombing, actually, which is interesting mm-hmm. because this is also set in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I want to step in and say, like, this whole, like, first 20 minutes, I want to return to this. I don't want to get off topic here, but you're watching this and you're like, man, fuck the police, right? It feels extremely, like, condemning the cops. Now, whether or not that stays true throughout the whole movie, I think, is, like, a question that we all had. But at this point, you're like, oh, yeah, cops are racist. Fuck the National Guard also. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they so they raid this housing complex um, and they start killing zombies and uh Wooly, the 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 very explicitly racist cop um he ends up getting killed by another cop uh because he's he's just like going fucking nuts um and so this is where we get introduced to uh Roger uh who's uh one of the one of the main characters and he meets uh Peter uh, who's like another who's like another SWAT uh, SWAT guy, and uh, Roger tells Peter that his friend Stephen uh, is planning on uh, is planning on fleeing, and he invites Peter to come with them to meet up with them at the helicopter. Yeah, uh, I guess like one of the first things that struck me about the movie, I will say first, like I you know I've said on the pod, I'm on record, like not really liking 
uh, older movies. Like, this movie's almost 50 years old. But uh, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. It is 45 minutes too long, though. Yeah, this particular cut is not even the longest edit, I don't think, the one that we watched. That's insane. I disagree. I mean, I was unable to finish the whole thing, like, (laughs) watching through every single minute of the whole thing uh, before doing this. I mean, I've seen it before. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful movie, and I think that a lot of those sequences, because the second half is so much slower, and I think that there's a very deliberate point to that that serves a hefty artistic purpose, which I will um, get to when when we arrive there. I'm I'm just... I'm just not into it. I'm just not I, into it, I guess. I think you're both right, and I want to just put this out on the table that, you know, I always try to remind Alex, this is not that old of a movie, but right, like our, our uh, attention span used to be different. But particularly when it comes to exploitation horror, sometimes the point is that you're supposed to not be enjoying yourself, right? Sometimes the endurance of the whole of the thing is the point. Um, and so I really appreciate a miserable long horror movie sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I will say, I like to I, have a bad time. Yeah, no, I, lo- I, I literally I like do. To have a bad time. No, but what? here's the thing. Speaking of, it doesn't start out as being a bad time. It starts mm-hmm. out by what everyone America, what everything, every American loves, no matter their political viewpoint. They all love TV, and it starts mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. with the TV. And I thought that was really, really important, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're three weeks into this like pandemic, and everyone's lifeline is the television Mm -hmm. and you see it shutting down right they're like they talk about stations going down and stuff so it's all about like this infrastructure breakdown and the access to information fucking goes off i said this in our uh twitch chat that we have going while we stream the twitch chat is where to be i was like this i think is my favorite one of my favorite opening sequences in a film like of all time um it's yeah and i thought the chaos is very fun and yeah. also, I thought of how it was very interesting. Like, at a certain point, they tell every, they're like, yeah, uh, our work is done here. The emergency, the emergency mm-hmm. broadcast is going to take over. And I feel like that might have been our responsibility is over. Yeah, our responsibility right. is over. And I think that was almost like a realization of like the complete alien alienation of like local information flow. It's all mm-hmm. from the top down now, you know, or it's like, I, I, I don't know how to describe I, that. I, I don't know better. if I would say alienation as much as like they have no power at a certain point. I, I think this is a, a classic theme and maybe I'll return to this, but, um, you know, so this movie, I, I want to point out, right? Like, so Romero invents this concept of the zombie apop- apocalypse. If I'm lying about this, someone's going to call me out, but like, We had zombie films. This is like an old kind of mythical kind of figure. But until Romero's films, they weren't really about the end of the world. Romero picks up this theme that comes from other kinds of sci-fi movies, as well as movies like Last Man on Earth, which I think is technically like more of a vampire type film. Um, So all of the themes in this movie are things that come up in like 50s nuclear apocalypse films and the big thing or novels. Right. And the big thing that comes up in those novels, I'm thinking of um, Last Babylon is one that I've read is always just like, you know, the new go off and suddenly all of our information infrastructure is collapsed and we have to kind of start over socially about what we know about the world um so he picks up that theme which had been in a lot of books at this time and makes it about zombies right and like kind of plops it into the 70s uh which is classic to me and also relatable brendan go off i can see your face that you want to go off 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, I can also, like, I think it's interesting that, like, so, you know, I, I went, uh, the TV producer, I guess I don't know his official title, is trying to get them to keep uh, the information flow going, but it's not because of any civic duty or anything. He's trying to keep uh, money. He says, mm-hmm, if, you know, mm-hmm. if we don't have the update the stations, they'll log off. And, you know, they're not updated stations. And I think it's interesting that there's, like, a kind of information flow related on money and commerce mm-hmm. that is trying to push through. And as everything's collapsing, it's still trying, like, you know, that's the last guy who's going to be in that station, right? Uh, even after the cops leave, even after everyone leaves. And I don't know. I think that's an interesting commentary. And I don't know if that's in all the, um, you know, post-nuclear apocalypse movies no i think they're yeah i think you're right like in the old in the 50s and 40s people were really like civic duty of like the phone operator lady (laughs) she's a patriot (laughs) that was mean she wasn't she was i'm not i'm not joking about her i think also we were talking about the timeline a bit i think it's interesting that it kind of mirrors a counterinsurgency campaign in intensity Mm -hmm. for the movie um so i kind of know we're jumping back a little bit yeah. Okay. So uh, I want I want to say this before we go on. I specifically asked Brandon. I was like, Brandon, your time to be on our pod is now because I think we're gonna have to talk about some nerd fascism shit. Because I thought we were gonna talk about fascism, but he brought this up to me, and I think he's right that what we actually need to be talking about is specifically counterinsurgency. Right? That's kind of the vibe more than fascism. But we can debate this maybe after we finish the uh, plot outline. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, Stephen and, no, sorry, uh, Roger and, and fuck, what's his name? Peter. Uh, Roger and Peter, the two SWAT cops, they go and meet up with, uh, Stephen and Francine. Uh, they take off in the helicopter. There's a scene where they, uh, have to land in order to, you know, try and refuel. Um, and that's where, you know, some of them get attacked by zombies. Uh, Peter has to kill a couple of zombie kids. Uh, there's the one zombie that, uh, sort of chop, chops its, its own head, the, the top of his own head off with the fucking helicopter blades. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. delightful. I yeah. have to say. Did you guys feel like the zombies were disproportionately, like, black or, like, Latino or, you know? No, they were, I think they were low, low, be- proportionately, right? Because yeah, of where they were. I thought that they were mostly white, honestly. Yeah. Well, a lot of maybe it was just in the beginning scene. It was like that when they were in Philly, still. Yeah, Yeah, because it was Philadelphia, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were they were in a house where apparently a bunch of I I love how like just a detail that is like noted is that these uh like Dominicans or whatever are just like keeping dead bodies in their basement because they're like no we. We need them because of ancestry or some food. Yeah, shit. what does what does the cop say? He says like, do you remember what the cop says about that? He says these people still believe that there's like meaning in this or something. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Like I don't remember. And death or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucked up. Which right? Is- so so I the struggle in a, it seems like this first section there's like a struggle you know to figure out what the fuck a zombie is right and the state wants claim to these bodies because there's like a struggle over when death happens kind of right so um people people are sort of want to believe that these people are still alive but they also oh no jesus christ yeah so they want to believe that these people are still alive many people or when they die people want claim to the to those bodies in death right and then the state's kind of like nope we gotta shoot we have to shoot all your zombie family members right this is kind of another thing you see in zombie movies a lot 
we don't talk enough about how zombie movies are about uh, the opposite of the pro-life argument. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, so. they um. <clears throat> so, uh, Stephen, Francine, Peter, and Roger take off in the helicopter, and after flying around for a while, they come across a shopping mall, uh, which they decide to make their sanctuary. So they uh, they break into it, um, and basically set up camp inside, and they come up with a plot to uh to block the entrances to the mall with trucks to keep the zombies from from breaking through. In their first excursion, I just want to say, because I have a note, that um, immediately after they take refuge in the mall, there's a situation where a zombie almost kills Franny. Um, and I just wanted to note that it's a Hare Krishna so- zombie, which I thought was fucking hilarious. We had a kind of, a, I think this kind of matters, and I don't know if it felt like it mattered to other people. Oh and my I maybe God. want to is return she to this. a spiritual revelation? Is that so, what this is symbol- symbolizing? To me, this is, I'm going to lay it on the table, right? This oh, was holy one of. shit. <laughs> okay, she sees the nun later, the zombie nun. Is there a theme here? You're going a place that I don't have access to spiritually. This is what I have access to spiritually. I feel like the Hare Krishna was a counterculture symbol, um, much like the bikers, which we will get to. So these films, um, zombie movies, uh, to a certain extent, um, Night of the Living Dead, certainly Texas Chainsaw, are sort of related to counterculture movies, right, Um, that came out in the later 60s and the early 70s. And to me... This movie has a lot to say about, like, the fate of the counterculture, um, which is kind of symbolized by that, like, dead zombie Hare Krishna and the kind of mutated version of bikers that show up later. I'm spoiling. Uh, but to me, I was like, oh, fuck, that's about, you know, the 60s, right? We're, like, we... looking we're looking back on 68 from 1978. Yeah, yeah. Wait, well, let's explore that. Let's let's revisit that one. Yeah, okay. So I, I fucking love so that guy. They... They lock up the the place. They uh they lock it up and they clear clear out the mall of uh of the zombies like they shoot the mall or whatever and uh, they get rid of the bodies. Um and during during their um uh their plan to like lock up the mall uh to barricade it, I think uh Roger uh ends up getting bitten, right? Yeah. Um, and we learn that Franny's pregnant. That's right. That's right. Not, not to be overlooked because <laughs> she keeps smoking through the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> it's fine. And it was 1978. First of all, okay. You know, what? birth defects didn't happen before uh, they discovered. We Whatever were just, it, just it was it was fine. We weren't such a competitive society. It was fine to have <laughs> <laughs> a little fetal alcohol syndrome never hurt anyone. It's fine. Well after um, uh after um they clear out the mall, um there's like a pretty long sequence of them just like hanging out and um uh taking like all of the goods that are in the mall, furnishing their uh mm-hmm. makeshift apartment. <laughs> um mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not I'm not like a big like zombie movie person, so I don't know if this is like a common trope in zombie movies. This is definitely a trope in the zombie movie where they like go into the empty like shopping center and, you know, get the supplies for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I I did see Zombieland and it kind of reminded me of Zombieland. 
the way that they just like uh, go into the shops and like take the shit and hang out and have fun. I think a they lot didn't of do that guys. in Shaun of the Dead, though. I think there are a fair number of post-apocalyptic movies that kind of play on that idea of like, um, I mean, there is like some heavy wish fulfillment going on. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you get to be the only one in the shopping mall and you can have anything you want and right. no one's going to stop you. So that, that's like, go ahead, go ahead, Brandon. That's like what we do. Um, as a country, right? Like that's our national policy. Uh, we stand alone. We get the material wealth. That's kind of post Cold War, you know, the plan that America set out. Yeah, and this um, this goes back to the Cold War, right? Every sort of literature, you're stockpiling, but then later you you know you're you're hoarding your whatever your resources. But there's like this whole new visual language of going to these abandoned stores and just like supermarket sweep, you know, uh, which is the fantasy. But listen, I can't. We can't talk about that part of it without what this movie introduces, which is the undead analog doing the same thing, right? So all these mall scenes, right? Famously, yes, yes. are these zombies just like i don't even know how first of all it's just like totally ecstatic the most beautiful thing i'd ever seen right these these bodies just like these dead bodies live in this mall just touching the wares right um their face against the glass up and down the escalator and there's like some very obvious uh, presumed commentary going on here these mindless shoppers right these this empty shoppers is so funny i did not so realize good. how funny it was until i rewatched it this last time but but Franny does say at one point when they decide to stay in the mall, Franny – actually, it's interesting that it is only the woman that realizes this uh, because they are brutally sexist towards her earlier um, – that they're so enchanted with like the resources that are ready at hand in the mall that they don't realize that it's all also a prison. Mm-hmm. You, know, I th- you know, it's like a kind of obvious like subtext. It's like consumerism is a prison. And this movie does. But it's more. You first. You first. Brandon has a really interesting point on this. I just wanted to linger a little bit on these like visuals of these resources, especially when I was comparing it mentally to the remake that in 2004, which we can talk about if you guys have seen it. Uh, but I feel like it has these delicious, like highly aestheticized, like the the scene where they're in the grocery store and they're like collecting the spices and the coffee beans, and it's very, very tactile and sensual yes. um, and beautiful in my opinion. But. There's like these multiple different levels of commentary on what the resources and consumption means that I think can't be boiled down to just the zombie shoppers like people want to, uh, which I think is what Brandon wanted to get to. Yeah, uh, because I'm a lame nerd, uh, Mm -hmm. my favorite scene in the entire movie was when the pilot and Fran were talking um, about that. And they're like, you know, they were saying it's consumerist prison. Why do you want to stay here? Um, And I don't think it's just consumerism. I think it's like, you know, the American... Again, foreign policy, I'm going to be one note a little bit. Uh, you know, Fran says, we can leave. We can go find other places outside of this mall. You know, this is a prison where we just have a bunch of resources. And then he says, you know, oh, we can't go out there. That's how, you know, we treat the Imperial Corps, America. We have a lot of resources. We can't go outside. Don't leave the country. Um, you can't trust it. And that's the periphery. And I feel like that's kind of a commentary. Like, when they said that line, I was like, oh, man. Um, yeah, the- yeah. There's and there's it's kind of okay. So I want to talk about this periphery thing. I hadn't thought about this imperialism angle until you brought it up. Uh, But I don't think Ben really mentioned this part that really stuck out to me, which is this period 
between when they're like leaving the city and they're going to this mall, right? So this is this the mall itself is about sprawl, right? Like this is a sprawl. So the mall is the periphery already, always, right? Socially in America, but there's these incredible scenes from the helicopter. Uh, we encounter some hicks. This is the great. This is Alex, yes. The fucking rednecks. Oh my god, this is so good. The rednecks there's, are probably one of my favorite parts, just because hilarious. it was like, they are that going was off, that, yeah. Like from from like a small like kind of like hish. <laughs> hickish like village in michigan Mm -hmm. like that was very familiar to me yeah just like that just like those and honestly it looked like a good time that's where i would want to be during (laughs) that's where i would want to be during a zombie apocalypse i'm gonna be real with you well, and I thought, even one of the characters said, yeah, they must be having a lot of fun right now. <laughs> no, I knew that, too. I knew, they must like, be yeah, loving they're, this. They're just having, like, a barbecue with, like, a perimeter with their, like, local police department. <laughs> like, no. in my no, opinion, I, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. Uh, let me, let me, I, I got something else, uh, too. Just because I want to, like, uh, bring up something that, like, I feel like ties this conversation into the present. Um, Like, another thing that was kind of, like, really funny uh, a that Ben kind of like went through was like, while they're in the mall, uh, there's like this TV broadcast talking about how like the president and Congress are like working out a deal to pass legislation. Like it's almost like the same thing that's going on like today, right? Like we're, we're in failed state territory. Like what Mm -hmm. the hell are you doing? Uh, you're like passing like laws, like it's going to matter. And like, uh, and in the meantime, you know, you have like these people at the periphery in the mall, like having to figure it out on their own. And it's kind I, of like that. It's that right wing, like fall of society, fall of society, like fantasy. I it, want to bring this out because that's another this is another reason I like subtly wanted us to watch this. Obviously, this movie has a lot of resonance with today, but I like the historian in me who studies the 70s. I really wanted to expand on this idea. I don't know if people were thinking about this, but when this movie was made, we were at one of those end of history moments, right? The level of just like low to high level terror in American psyche or whatever in the 70s, the endless cycle of capitalist crises, right? That's what it was like in the 70s. People in in 1978, a lot, you know, Americans kind of believed that was it, right? They were like, is this it about America, right? People were starting to think maybe this is the end of the empire. And I want to say that because this is a great example of a movie that I think explores both the left and right kind of implications of those fears. But I want to remind us that it didn't happen in 78. This movie was made because reflecting that people really, really did, you know, there's a lot, there's like increasing amount of scholarship on just like terror in the seventies, right? Just in America, we felt the way we feel now in 1978 and it didn't happen then. So I don't know how I feel about the optimism that it is happening now. Uh, unfortunately, just gonna just gonna put that out there for everybody to mope about. I, I agree I with that, that statement. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that theme kind of hits at the end too. I don't want to bring yeah, it up too early. The ending okay, is well, its own thing. Let, yeah, let's uh, let's push through uh, push through the story some more. Uh, so uh, eventually, Roger uh, succumbs to his wounds and turns into a zombie. Uh, where then um, Peter has to has to shoot and kill him, um, and so after you know several months, uh, all of the uh, TV and radio broadcasts stop, um, and presumably society is just entirely collapsed. Um, 
And Francine uh, presses them all to uh, leave the mall and go somewhere else. Uh, so they uh, load supplies onto the helicopter, and Stephen also teaches Francine how to fly the helicopter, um, which is seen by a group of, uh, like, by this, like, nomadic biker gang uh, who come to the mall to... Um, to come who come to the mall to loot it uh, and so they break through all the barriers that the that the four main characters had set up and so uh steven uh is like really pissed off about about these bikers coming in and fucking up all their shit um and so he starts shooting at them and they get into they get into a gunfight with each other um and uh, a lot of the a lot of the bikers end up getting eaten by zombies, uh, but a lot of them also uh, retreat as well. And so now Stephen, uh, who had been bitten by a zombie, uh, who had been bitten by zombies, uh, becomes undead, and acting on his um, on his I guess uh, deep deep memories and his uh, well the the. Uh, earlier on the film, you know, they had talked about how all these zombies are coming into the mall because, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's what's deep into their, into their psyche. That's what they want, you know, that's what they want to do. And so Peter, uh, and so Steven, uh, in a similar way goes up to, uh, where their like little encampment in the mall where they'd been hiding out. He breaks through the barrier that they had set up, uh, basically leading all the rest of the zombies up there with him. And so, um, uh, Peter, uh, Peter kills Steven while Francine escapes to the roof where the helicopter is. And Peter locks himself in this room planning on, uh, planning on committing suicide, but at the last second, uh, decides to escape to the roof with Francine, uh, where they fly away to an uncertain future. Should we talk about the ending situation now, or should we set this on the table? Okay, no, before I, before I lay this out, because some of us discussed this already, and it might be a surprise, how did y'all feel about that ending, the tone of that ending? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I like mean, a happy it, ending. It ends, like, the last TV broadcast before everything goes out that we see is, like, mm -hmm. the doctors discussing, like, just nuking all the cities yeah. and this also goes to like Brandon's and your like kind of discussion about how you know malls are the periphery and it's also yeah. like sprawl it's I also wanna... like it's spreading out like the military and like yeah this uh, is let me, let me let me actually Wait, explain are, that let me let me malls the periphery let, let me explain let yeah, me let I me think the core let me yeah. explain this malls are the core in this right malls are like from a planning perspective obviously the periphery there are some examples where they are center right like Mall, malls mall, are the malls the core in the global uh, yes, uh metaphor yes. whereas the whereas just the it the it, the mall in the American context is the periphery there are right, malls by definition in right not New York City. I mean, no. there there also are there, there are, were some there experimental. Are malls, but people yeah, don't go are. to like the mall. So this is this is. Let me actually just explain this. Um, I don't know about that argument. I mean, so I think Brendan's right that the mall is supposed to be the core in this, but right, like malls are literally the definition of sprawl. That seems like a really weird thing to to disagree with, right? This is where they come from, how they're designed, right? They're um, a movement politically in urban planning against the city core explicitly, usually in a race, racialized way, right? This, I think, this is actually a '50s mall that this is shot in. It's in Monroeville, 
Pennsylvania. It's outside of Pittsburgh, uh, which is its own kind of thing, which I can talk about that geography there. But that scene when they enter the mall, right? Um, they crash through the window and they find all these military rations. That kind of like set me off a little because I was remi- I was reminded to map the mall, which is this kind of consumer public life version of periphery planning onto this other version of that, which is Cold War city planning, which is this idea, right? So um, we start putting research and offices and um, political things, right? Look at fucking Virginia around D.C., right? We start putting them away from city centers because of this fear of, of, you know, because of Cold War politics, right? Um, on, On purpose, right? So we start building the centers of intelligence and production in the U.S. become these low, flat, wide, sprawling places that look like a mall, right? And the mall is part of that logic of in planning, but it's not necessarily what we're supposed to think of. So they took that, they took, um, I don't know, uh, what, uh, what is Livermore Laboratories or whatever in California, right? They, t- they take all of these like kind of Cold War spaces and put them on a mall, which I think is extremely funny. I also, um, I think that this particular suburb, um, I think Pittsburgh is the perfect example of that, right? So this particular real-life mall, um, it was really rural when it was built, right? It was like just like exactly a perfect example of sprawl, but it's built in an area that had a very contested sprawl right outside of Pittsburgh, you know, the center of American industry where everything slowly gets transferred to this long kind of periphery, this long kind of wide landscape. There's this scene when they're in the helicopter going over the landscape where they say they're like passing Harrisburg. This movie was made a year before Three Mile Island happened, right? So this exact space was the site of potentially very close to a nuclear disaster, right? And that nuclear disaster happened because they had to have this nuclear power station to power all of this insane sprawl, right? That's exactly what was happening at that moment there, right? So this is like the perfect iconic sprawl to me, right? Uh, But I had never really thought about the mall as like also like, I don't know, fucking... um, Alexandria, Virginia, or whatever, before this. We're going to talk about the end. I was asking you about the end. All right, so I'm going to skip to the the business. This was not the end as it was written. To me, that was very obvious watching this, right? Like, the tone of that ending didn't make any sense, right? There's, like, a whole five-minute sequence when you're, like, this guy is definitely going to shoot himself in the head. Like, the whole tone of everything is, like, this guy is going to shoot himself in the in the head. And all of a sudden, this fucking A-team music or whatever, like, some, like, very cheery music starts happening. And they go off and they fly off in the fucking sunset in a helicopter. Turns out, this was not how it was supposed to end. And in the original script, he does kill himself. He shoots himself. And she kills herself by decapitating herself on the the helicopter, helicopter right like that like they end up writing in that zombie um which i think would make this film politically totally very different but apparently all y'all like that okay so i was like at first I, when i watched this i was like okay this is not how this is supposed to end like i could just tell immediately and it turned out to be true but i actually also enjoyed the ending because it was so insane that it was kitschy like it was so obviously nonsensical that it felt really kitschy to me and there's i i felt like it worked perfectly because one of the things that i fucking love about this movie is the aesthetic of the violence mm-hmm. the gore the blood this is my ideal 
like level of realness in gore that there is extreme physicality to everything Mm -hmm. that is totally lost with this cgi shit that is Mm -hmm. like just dominating everything now awful dog shit yeah but in this it's it's not so real either that i'm like okay so i'm Mm -hmm. just supposed to like want to vomit because i also hate that shit but god it is so it's so funny every time that someone gets shot in the head it's hilarious every time someone gets bit i mean even when it's like you know with the moments when it's actually like very tense and emotional are you know like when roger is dying and like verbalizing his dying thoughts not when he's getting bit you know Mm -hmm. it's like there's obviously a tension there but like everything about it is like caricaturish and so in that sense I think that, like, the ending being, like, totally insane. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, it's perhaps a it, little... It works. Like, it's maybe more nihilist to have this insane happy ending than it is to have the expected negative ending, right? Like, it's, it's like, literally absurdist is what this film is, right? There's, like, no yeah, meaning yeah. here. Which, um... I, th- I think another I, I yeah so I, I think you know I want I want to nudge us towards these questions about the politics of this film because I think it's contentious and I want to talk about it but I really do think like okay a lot of this movie is like okay I have this list I have these notes next to me and I have this list because the movie is broken down into like s- social categories, right? Every actor is kind of like this kind of moving social category, right? So we have the journalists, we have the cops, we have the National Guards, we have the zombies, we have the bikers, um, we have the hicks. Uh, That's it. That's what we have, right? For the most part. Uh, Which I think is because he's kind of laying on this like social category kind of interpretation. But most of the movie, I feel like, you know, we, we ask, are we supposed to be seeing the zombies as critiques of Americans? Are we supposed to be liking the cops or hating the cops? But I love that we're watching this and he's like, all right, Americans, you have two options. You can be the zombie in the mall or you can be the cop, right? Like, there's no out, right? There's no, to me, right, there's just, like, no end to this, right? It's extremely um, campy and nihilist, right? It's about the absurdity of American society. That's my opinion about it. I want to push back, though, on the idea that it starts off anti-cop and then Mm. changes. Yeah. Because I think that, like, as soon as they get in that helicopter and leave— the fact that they're cops is essentially inconsequential other than it ha- gives them training with guns. You know, thematically, it is like a survival thing. And I think like, you know, I'm mean, obviously it's not totally unimportant that they're cops or else, you know, they could be anything else. You know, they are cops. But I don't think that it changes to become positive towards the cops because I don't think that the cops as, like, a, a, a machinery exist yeah. after— Like, the only time that the, the machinery of the state exists is when we see them do, like, the move bombing and just yeah. massacre a building full of Hispanics. It's very much about the de- degradation of those social categories, right? But I— th- yeah, I'm I'm curious to what everybody else thinks about that. Uh, see, like, I think— I, I think- like uh, I don't know, I might have missed this. Um, but speaking of like the degradation of like the social categories, like I thought it was interesting how it's like black man, white woman, like ride off into the sunset together after the apocalypse. I mean, transparently, Romero talks about this a, 
I mean, he said different things about this, but he's known at this point in history for someone who pushes the boundaries of who he can cast, right? So he casts black leads in genres that that didn't happen, right? Um, so I think it's kind of, but I do think it, you know, he, to Wasn't me. Wasn't it a black man and a white woman in Night of the Living Dead? Yeah. Yeah, it's a white Wow. Yeah, yeah. George yeah. Romero, SJW. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's he's pushed back on, like, the purposefulness of that or whatever, whatever, um, you know, directors love to lie. But the fact, the fact <laughs> is that it always, it does kind of emerge, because his, his films are very place-based, right? This is about urban, Pencil, urban and then rural Pennsylvania, right? Like, so this really kind of em- comes out of that texture. Um, I think it's cool. Like, I think it's straight up cool. I don't... <laughs> I think I think he did a good diversity, and this actor Ken. I don't know if you say four E or four A. I think it's four A, right? He's like kind of a scream queen, right? Like he's in a lot of iconic horror films, mm-hmm. or he's like an iconic part in a lot of horror films. I guess. I was looking at his IMDb last night. He's been in quite a few zombie movies. Yeah, he kicks ass. He's in uh, Rob Zombie's movie. He's in. I, th- uh, I think he's, he's not a scream just- queen. He's a bad Chad. That's literally, he's a scream queen. He's a fucking scream queen. No, bad Chad. That's the male version. No way. Mm. There is no male version. Uh, well, anyways, so uh, before they decide. Yo, you ever notice how it's totally fine to say male but not female? It is super not. And we have to move on from this immediately. Fucking do not get me started on this. Um, I will lose my mind. Um, okay, so before they decide that they need to leave and essentially get themselves killed, although, no, arguably you're right. Stanley is the one who gets everyone killed because he starts shooting at the fucking bikers who would have never found Sta- them. I Steven. thought Stanley should have died as soon like as he left uh, the room in the beginning, like their little apartment. I thought, like, he should have died in that one scene where he's, like, with the boiler room or, like, with, around all those... Stu- First of all, do, why are you shooting a gun, like, all around those... Stu- like, are you trying right. to, like, blow up the oh fucking mall? That was so funny. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that would have been funny if the movie ends there. <laughs> that, yeah, like, exactly. Like, 40 minutes th- in. Yeah. All right. Um, but okay, so right before they do that, there is the scene, there is a wonderful sequence where it just shows them going off in the mall. You know, they are mm. like uh, uh, Franny is trying the perfumes, you know, uh, the boys are mm. in furs, you so know, good. shit's crazy. It's awesome. Um, and this is where they, you know, like the monotony of everything starts to set in. Um, and we see that they have become the zombies and, Mm -hmm. you know, like Franny, her line is like, you know, what have we done to ourselves? Um, (laughs) which is hilarious because she says it when, when Stanley turns the TV back on. That's my, that's one of my favorite scenes. They have this like tense familial moment fight over whether they should leave the TV on. The the TV which the is family not capital casting anything, mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's very like Virginia Wolf yeah, uh, yeah who's afraid of Virginia Wolf yeah yeah um but uh you know later or earlier in the movie uh there's um fuck I forget his name Peter Peter says you know Franny says uh what are they you know because they're like beating against the door and Peter says uh they're us that's all and then he says the line about um 
you know, when the, when hell is full. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I think that, you know, they are us, like yeah. you're, you know, you're saying, like they're chilling at the mall. They're they're checking out the wares. They're they're you know the one that he gives a he gives one a gun and it just starts like looking at it. I wanna okay. There's like I feel like so much going on there, and I I literally like if this movie was just an anti-consumerist movie, I'd be like go off. I I think it's good enough. Like the mall scenes are so good. I want to return to the problem of the cops because I want to build towards me asking you all if you think this is a leftist film and then me getting mad at you for being mean to George Romero. Uh, but I did read this article. I read a couple of articles. There's like a, a criticism out there of this film that says if you're going to make a movie about Pittsburgh that people are going to go off and be like, you know, oh, this look at this great fucking Marxist horror film, which people say about this, right? And you only focus your critique on consumption when this was, like, the, the center of industrial production for the in industrialized world, right? Do you think that that's a fair critique of this? Do you think he over-focuses on consumption as the problem? No. Mm -hmm. well, no, because I, the I characters aren't producers. Right Say that again? None of, the none of the characters are producers. You have cops, a pilot, and a media person. Mm -hmm. So there's no one who's involved in production. Yeah, and, and this is late, too. 78, right? But I still think you can see, a, you know, this shift. So the film physically moves from, I guess it's Philadelphia and not Pittsburgh, but it, it moves from this urban center to this sprawl towards consumption, right? I think it alludes to that kind of demographic shift that happens in Pennsylvania, right? I think oh, I don't that's interesting. I don't think it leaves that alone right i think i would give him a little bit more credit for subtlety on this right i mean i think i think that well first of all they literally do white flight from the city they literally do <laughs> um and they go to the suburbs where they chill but i was going to say i don't think that it's over focused on consumerism and for, first of all i don't think that's like um terribly I mean, okay, I understand like where the critique comes from, and I bitch about shit like that all the time, but I mm -hmm. also don't think that it's terribly fair to be like, okay, well, this movie, which is about consumerism, didn't also talk about where those things came from, so didn't, it's bad. Didn't like, you know well, that— things are allowed to be about— some things but not other things okay first of all this movie is about literally everything though it really is about literally everything <laughs> it's, it's about the, the end of the world second it's about of the all, end of everything is this yeah. the literally movie dick of horror movies literally it is second of all didn't you know that there's no ethical consumption under late capitalism <laughs> yep that's right that's right matthias damn i didn't she know that she got you there all uh, right all right i i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna volunteer to for you to be mad at me, Great. I'm going to say that this is not a leftist movie. Why? Um, You know, I just think that, you know, just like most American films, well, most American, especially like the Marvel movies are like right wing fascism. Right. But like, you know, the, the movies that are trying to be liberal are all like this grab bag of contradictions, which mm -hmm. is basically, you know, just just the average american like political thought you know that's like what it's that's usually what it's going to be it's going to be just a bunch of contradictions it's not going to be very coherent but it'll be a fun watch it'll be good because 
God bless the USA. I thought this wasn't a fun watch. I thought it was tedious and over. No, it got tedious. At first, I like I said, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. If that being said, it was it was a little too long. I started scrolling Twitter. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so we have. See, no, I might, I might have been able to push through if I didn't have Twitter to scroll. That's uh, actually a problem. That's that's my that's, that's my. Sounds, I, what that did I tell like you? you what did I tell that's you about the, modern attention bim- spans? It's the it's the bimbofication of the Western male. Literally. All right, so. I, I want to go to Brandon to uh, respond to Alex's comments on the leftism of American cin- cinema. I, I agree. I don't think it's a leftist movie, but I don't think it's a grab made. I think it's very specifically liberal. I think it is very like it presents a lot of problems. It presents the police violence in the beginning. It you know does the whole thing about the uh, the core periphery thing about how the malls consumer is trapped, whatever. But then the movie always says we can fix it. The cops will do their dumb things and you know police riot on the zombies and then yeah, smart dude, up, change no, out their yeah, I don't know. They're they're not seeming like they have any answers, and they're they're going to mm. fix anything. It just seems like it's all it's all the right wing no, fantasy. The, the classic it's like propaganda. Fantasy. It's like it's a liberal right wing. Fa- it's like liberal. It's but like a bunch leave, of liberals surviving. No, because it's it's like the right wing. You you have the right wing hicks, and then you have the professional class liberals. And that's like those are the two. You have the Hicks who are having a good time, and then you have the liberal, the, uh, the professional class liberals who are like, uh, "Yo, this is how we're gonna do it." And they and they're and they're trying to show like the the liberals but, can have a bad. You guys are forgetting uh, about the most important. The liberals can have a badass survival here. fantasy too, and that's what this movie is. Mm-mm. Okay, Brandon, respond. I don't think necessarily I disagree with that. I, my point is though is that's very intentionally liberal. The most liberal thing is saying you can critique the liberal system and make it work. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't critique things. I'm not saying I'm just yeah. saying I don't think it's like a grab bag or anything. Sure. At the end, the cops take off the uniform, they flee, they make the right decisions, and I think that's what the movie's trying to say. That's why I like the ending, by the way. We we can we can agree to disagree. I see what you're saying. The non-canon ending. All right, Matthias, respond. Um, do I think it's a leftist movie? I don't think that it really matters i think it's a very good movie Mm -hmm. and i think that it is precisely about its cultural moment i suppose you could Mm -hmm. say that it's very much i don't know i i hate to i i feel like it does a tremendous disservice to the film as a whole to say that it's a leftist movie but it's not very marxist of you but i'll accept it uh, well there you go. Um, well, Matthias isn't a Marxist, said, so. Mm-hmm. That being said, I am not going to say anything. Not going to take the bait. Think, not going to take the bait. <laughs> um, I think that this is very much like um, Adorno, like culture industry. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, the this is the synthesis of culture and advertising is destroying America and this is the reflection of that. Well, and I think that it really can't be understated the degree to which that has allowed capital to serve as just like this social turpentine to dissolve all, you know, uh, so, cohesion. And and so in that sense, I do think that it is a leftist movie because it is a harsh critique of capital. That's what so makes here, a leftist a movie question, to me. Though. I have a question though. Um, assuming the biker gang doesn't show up and like Eric. mess them up, uh, how how like 
Stay oh, they go right insane, right? They go insane and why kill are, each other. Why are you Absolutely. guys... Okay, listen. Why are you guys debating how this is about liberal or right-wing factions and not talking about the bikers specifically? When this yeah. is the center Antifa. of... Bell, First bell of all, bottom bikers, baby. Right, so the the center of this the nineteenth okay, this the bikers are the most important part of this movie, right? Because when when okay, Night of the Living Dead comes out, sixty-eight or sixty-nine, whatever it is, we have this whole category of biker movies that are all about this kind of um counterculture figure, right? Um, this kind of new era of counterculture. And in the 60s, that's what bikers were. And then a series of things happen, right, throughout the 70s, Altamont, for example, right, where bikers become a different kind of force in 1978, right? And bikers yeah. are be- become this kind of anti-state position. But to me, he's, like, toying with this idea of the old biker, right, the counterculture biker in this film. You could, Maybe that's not true. But you, to me, I... To me, like, if you're... If you're looking at this whole genre of like society breakdown movies and these different factions, also I want to point out that I think Mad Max comes out a year after this or the same year around then, right? So the other kind of iconic uh, vehicular apocalypse kind of film. Here's what I think. I don't necessarily think this has a very cogent critique of any of these anti-statist terrors that are floating around, right? This is we're kind of the 70s. There are all these kind of Vietnam vet anti-statists who become Rambo figures, right? You have biker gang deterioration. And that's what this movie is about. It's about all these kind of forces. But to me, it's a commentary on all of them, but not really a clear, um, not really a clear dismissal of any of them. Um, that's what I think. But I, I sincerely do not think that this is a movie that submits to the logic of survivalism or, you know, like social breakdown that is that would go to be like promoted by, for example, like right wing survivalists, certainly not with that original ending. Now, is it, uh, I think, Matthias, you weren't here for this. We discussed this kind of at length. I think that your point about advertising, um, right. So like all of these like B movie directors of the seventies started making industrial films, right. They were like, which means like ad films, educational films or whatever, right. Cause they were outside of the Hollywood circuit, including Romero and my friend Nick, who is a cinephile and a, a watcher of our, our streams, he pointed out that this was actually released. It's an indie movie, but it was released literally on Romero's ad agency, right? Like, that was who put this movie out was an ad agency, uh, which I think is just funny that you specifically brought up advertising. Um, so this anti-mall movie or pro-mall movie, can't decide. Okay. Do I think this is a leftist no, I, film? I'm, I'm sorry. I was not laughing at you. Okay. Um, do I, okay, here's, here's why I I want to call this a leftist film, because I've seen the 2004 fucking Zack Snyder remake that is a transparent right-wing fascist, like, pre, pre, I don't know, kind of argument for war. That's what that fuck, that shit was, right? Like... And if you watch these movies, right, we can we can look at this movie really closely and concede that it's not like a Marxist text, but really think about the transportation transformation of even horror films into what we were watching in the tr- early 2000s. Absolute fucking jingoist, like masculinist, fucking just awful fantasies. I'm a hater. 
Although the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead also is cool in some respects. Um, she has that baby. She gives birth to the baby, and the baby oh, is a cool. zombie, and then they kill the zombie uh, baby, which was fun. That's cool. That that is fun. I was going to say, you know, the real the real answer. That, you know, I realized, unfortunately, after I, like, ran my mouth for a minute, to mm. your question of is this a leftist movie is, well, what makes it a leftist movie? Because I was going to say, if you think that it's not a leftist movie, what would make it a leftist movie? Like, yeah, what would you make know, it a movie? And I think that if a leftist movie is a movie that attacks capitalism, then this is a leftist movie. If a leftist movie is, like, you know, the cinematic, uh, you know— interpretation of the communist manifesto word for word then you know it's not a leftist movie is a movie against the vietnam war that's this one <laughs> that's the only guy yep literally i don't know that's i don't it. think so i think this movie like i said is liberal if it were a leftist movie it would show some kind of communalism as strength it would show that the answer is to build community to build collectivism over individuality. This movie never does that. It just says you have to be the right kind of individual survivalist. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing it does. It's kind of that liberal propaganda um, in the same way that like Parks and Rec is liberal propaganda, mm. saying you can just do the liberal thing liberal enough and then solve mm -hmm. the problems. And that's what I think this movie is kind of doing Well, uh, using horror lens. I would, I would agree with you given this ending. But recall that this movie was supposed to show that no one survives, right? So I know we I'm going to be a piece of shit. I know. And I'm going to say it doesn't matter what it's supposed to be because the American culture ran over the author or the director, I guess, and made it what it is. So I like, think it actually might have been happened. his decision, too. It's not really clear, like, whose decision it was to fuck this up. But, yeah, I mean, so you're right. But, okay, step back for a second. I think that, I think that at best it's, like, anarcho-primitivistic, you know? Like, in, in the—I mean, I realize that, you know— Maybe one could say that it's libertarian because libertarians yeah. are always the ones who are like, okay, well, now that there is just a shopping mall and like highways are built, uh, <laughs> we're an individual who lives alone in in society, and it's like, mm, yeah, okay, so you're going to live alone in a completely stocked shopping mall. Good luck. But this movie, even with this ending, this movie says that you can't do that, right? This, yeah. yeah, so here's the thing. I actually disagree with Brendan because I'm not a good communist. I don't think it's enough to show something that looks like communalism because that's exactly what we did in the Cold War, and it was explicitly um, nuclear family-centered communalism, um, right? So we built—in a lot of these novels, we built society from the ground up through the family, right, through the local community, and that was ap at absolute best libertarian and usually imperial status, right? Yeah, what it, in my opinion, it would have been a leftist movie. And this is kind of like why I kind of made the joke of the biker gang being Antifa. Mm -hmm. Was mm -hmm. because like they're kind of like all like nomadic. They don't have like a center base mm -hmm. of power. And it didn't seem like there was a, you know, set like way of doing things or like rules or like a parallel mm -hmm. like government or a parallel state you know yeah. they didn't create like if you had like you know people creating state functions so that they could survive well while, while like uh you know the united states government was on un was unable 
then it would be more of a leftist movie, right? If there was like a if there was like a party being formed, like a Leninist type of party being formed okay. because of the zombie apocalypse. Wait, all right. Then it would First be a of all, that movie. that would literally be leftist. Wait, wait. I just want to back it up for a second. Have any of you seen Mad Max, the original Mad Max? No. I've only seen the uh, yeah, I only right. saw Fury Road. Maybe that should be. I think uh, if we step back and that might help clarify stuff a little bit regarding uh, that. That's also a summer movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the cops. Though we keep dodging around this. Is this an anti-cop this movie? This is only supposed to be a fifty-minute episode, but whatever, it's fine. Alex, like we like really, tri- we really tried to uninvite you if you were going to complain the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we said no complaining. You can come, but don't complain. I'm just kidding. Alex is always first invited. of all. First of all, I'm. I, I first of all. Like, my complaining is the least of our worries right now. I'd like to apologize for our listeners for our lack of decorum. Ricky is literally eating clementines. I know. While talking I can't. Into the microphone. I, I, have, wow. I, ex- wow. I experienced. Call okay. in, Alex. It's called. Call a, in, it's not called. Call out. It's called ASMR, and our our <laughs> listeners our listeners think my eating is very sexy. I've been told. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, we should Ben. We should add a new tier for ASMR. <laughs> What'd you say, Matthias? We should have an ASMR tier where uh, the episode is exactly the same, but everyone is just like way closer to their mic somehow. I'm Hello. sorry. Or something. This is Alex. I don't know. I'm experiencing I can't mania. Hear okay. Let's bring into my microphone. Pro cop right movie. Anti cop movie. Is it copaganda? No, Mm-mm. I don't think so. It's like Joe Biden anti-cop. It's like saying cops can do bad things, but they're not bad. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, okay, so that's still cop again. I want to say something I always say because I think it's really important. People think that depicting cops as inadequate or incompetent or bad people counts as a critique of cops. But actually, a lot of that material is actually straight up copaganda because the premise is that a good cop would have fixed the problem, right? It reinforces the logic of policing. To show an incompetent cop is to concede that there is such a thing as a competent cop. Having Only said that, is a dead cop. I don't know which this is. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, I think there's parts of it that are very anti-cop and it seems very confused on this issue. That's what I think. I don't think it's liberal. I think it's confused and it is kind of a bag of contradictions. As Alex said. That's just liberal. That was me to I say. Kind of, <laughs> I kind of take issue with the cop comment just on, on which in one? the sense your, your comment that like you can't show that, that showing a, a bad cop is copaganda. I didn't say it's it always. I'm just saying a lot of times that it is, right? That's a function okay. of the com- copaganda. Right. Okay. So The Wire okay. is a great example. People are like, The Wire is not copaganda. It was literally produced by a police force, right? Like, people always make this claim with The Wire. Um, if you look closer, most of the, the iconic copaganda has a lot of critiques of cops in it, right? Because they want you to think, oh, if only these cops had been better, perhaps if only they had been a little better funded. Etc. Perhaps if we just wiped the bad ones out. I don't know. I don't know where to put that, but Okay. In my mind, the one of the key features of like copaganda is to enforce the notion that, you know, cops are uh the the function of cops in society is like required and that mm-hmm. we need it. Hell yeah. Um and I don't think that that, that this movie mm-hmm. does that. Really? Because, like, society is breaking down and the cops aren't really 
doing anything to stop it, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess the, there sense. are, like, National Guard with the Rednecks, mm. but, like, the Rednecks are, like, doing fine on their own. The <laughs> I don't think that's National more. Guard with the Rednecks. I think that was the police department with the Rednecks, but... I should point out that oh, I'm... Well, I, well it might be it's like very a, confusing who, which cops are which in this movie to me. I think that's kind of worth noting. All cops look the I, same I think, yep. also, <laughs> I think it's also, mm-hmm. though, like, in the, you know, core group of survivors or whatever you call them in the mall... There is kind of a tension of like, oh, the cops are the only one who know how to shoot. Like the air pilot guy tries to go down and do something, mm-hmm. he like fucks up and they all start getting <laughs> yeah. in trouble. Uh, what's her name? Fran. She gets like outdone by like one zombie. There is kind of a basic assumption of, oh, if both cops die, they can't handle themselves. Yeah, um, and this goes and to I your kind of propaganda. This goes into your counterinsurgency point, which I don't think that it, like I think there's a critique of yeah. counterinsurgency in this, but it does sort of reinforce the idea that the cops have an expertise. <laughs> Well, they also, like, one scene that really hit me is when they lay out the map of the mall and they start talking about how they're going to clear the mall out. That's very mm-hmm. counterinsurgent to me about how they would talk about clearing mm-hmm. villages in South Vietnam, how they talk yep. about kill counts, that kind of thing. And I think that was and intentional, just, by like, the way. I thought that was, like, a battle I think so, Vietnam. too. And they, like, clear it and make it a good, quote-unquote, civilized mall for them to live in, and that doesn't work out. And then, you know, they have the exciting first half, like, an invasion of a country, and then they have the really slow burn, which is the coin part of the counterinsurgency part of the country. How, I don't know. I got how does it how does it seem true? Because for me, there was like a clear critique of the counterinsurgency stuff that tracks with the filmmakers who are known anti-Vietnam, right? Like, um, and I talked about this before, but Tom Savini, who does the special effects here, was a Vietnam vet and then a Vietnam reporter who was like really situated his creation of gore in this kind of tradition of critiquing violence, the violence of the U.S. imperialism or whatever. So this is like pretty straightforwardly, at least from their perspective perspective an anti-war movie and then they show all of these cops using vietnam or not anti-war anti-vietnam war uh they show them using those techniques that they used in vietnam that the public knew about right by this time right we knew about those kind of um so how can this be an anti-counter okay maybe this is a stupid question how can this film condemn counterinsurgency at vietnam and not be an anti-cop movie maybe it i mean whatever i'm just being optimistic liberals don't think Liberals don't think their cops are bad, right? It's yeah. only when they try to, like, do coin. Yeah, counterinsurgency, but... I mean. Liberals also like counterinsurgency, right? Yeah, but they don't admit it. Like, I think that's enough, part yeah. of it. Like, yeah, I could I, still be liberal. I don't think that... Like, you can be anti-Vietnam and then still like the idea of counterinsurgency, so like, the, like, and then just think mm-hmm, it was, like, mm-hmm. done wrong or something. That's fucked up, but it is true. Brandon is right. It's fucked up. If you feel that way, you're fucked up. Okay, here, I'm going to lay this out, like, politically. The fact of the Vietnam War, the the U.S.'s war in Vietnam, is itself an endless condemnation of the concept of policing, right? You cannot believe that what we did in Vietnam was wrong and still come home and be like, it's fine when we do it in Detroit, (laughs) right? Like, you, you know, but people don't see that way, but they're wrong. Let me be clear. The Flint water crisis is nothing like my surge in Iraq. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> well, Nailed. we're uh, we're reaching we're past we're past the end of our time here. Um, but uh, before we go, does anyone have any closing thoughts mm. on this movie? Um, wait, let me check all of the notes that I took. Oh, oh, I loved I loved the bikers putting pies in the faces of the zombies. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, the biker awesome. is fun. Oh, that was so fucking funny. It was so fucking funny. I just want, here's my closing comment. I just wanted to put everybody in the mood for whatever is going to happen next week. 
Sorry. Oh, <laughs> nothing's gonna happen. I mean, I agree. honestly, yeah, literally, I've, nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen. Honestly, I feel election. like we might, we there might get an election. Yeah, we <laughs> might. Nothing's gonna happen at we all. We might Don't literally, worry. we might, we might get uh, a winner called that night we will literally we literally I'm, can't alex if we do that would mean no, they're not I, counting I, I, oh I, I think that might i think that might happen i see what you're saying you think it might be no such a I think he's slide. saying that they're not going to vote count most of the votes right because if we actually no no i'm no but if, no, if we no, have I'm saying, a winner that night that means I'm they're saying, not counting the vote, i'm votes. saying it's not every state it's not every state like some like michigan for example is already starting to count the votes. yeah but we won't be done by tuesday so, so that that's the point is that um, people are you, warning you against. really think we won't be done by tuesday like what yeah like, what's, what's alex have you i'm not sure well Okay, here's the. the I like, think Michigan call, will be done by Tuesday. Please remember, two thousand people. Please remember, you can't. You're okay, all. You're all twenty five. That was only Florida, though, Ricky. That was one state. Yeah. What happens if there is a true blow? Now, see, I'm a lot more optimistic than I was trying to. No, be. And, and I don't. And I don't think Trump it's going to be that Biden close. Going to the it it Supreme might be a Court. few states that we don't have the results right away. But I, do, I feel like it might actually be the, – the, the polls are looking, it might actually be that way. We'll I, see. I think it's going to be kind of a landslide too, actually. I, but I'm always scared though because the way the polls work, there is still a chance Trump wins, right? Like the math still yeah. says there's a path to oh, him yeah. to win. Um, yeah, yeah. And if it's even well, close – then what happens? If, it, if it's not even close, he's still going to take it to the Supreme Court, right? Three things. We're doing okay. this. We're doing There's this right three, now. The three things that are different between this year and 2016. Turnout. Mm-hmm. There's going to be much bigger turnout. That's good for Democrats. Two is Joe Biden in a lot of these battleground states, such as Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, he's at, like, 50%, whereas Hillary Clinton was at, like, yeah. 48, he, 46, He's 47%. not Hillary Clinton, importantly. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, he's above 50%, and that's way—that's a really big thing, right? Because that means all the undecided voters in that poll, in those polls, have to break for Trump. If he's gonna like, and these aren't these aren't aver- these are averages I'm talking about. Like the yeah. averages in Pennsylvania are over fi- are fifty percent. Okay, so I I wanted to do a movie episode to avoid talking about the election. Uh, I'm I'm very deliberately not in wonk mode anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've turned I've turned back on my wonk switch for the last like week and a half. I've been telling everyone my only <laughs> politics are hope the Democrats win until after they're sworn into office. Then I can go back to being a leftist like a coward. Mm-mm. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, look out for a possible calling for Biden the night of the election. Look, look out, out for that; for it might happen. Self-immolation. Okay. Final thoughts on the film? Yeah, it's good. I liked it. I think it goes off. Goes it off. Was fine. It's got everything. It was no. It, cool. it wasn't. In, it wasn't like a great anti-colonial film like The Witch. Yeah, Alex but... didn't think it was as good as Shaun uh, of the Dead. Jesus Christ! I think there's something symbolic about <laughs> the helicopter. These are not other like coins. Brandon. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. Sorry, what was that, Brandon? No, you're good. Uh, I think it's something. There's something to do with the helicopter and like counterinsurgency, like because that's who yeah, yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. That, I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know. The counter, I think it might be because those are journalist helicopters and then Tom Savini was a journalist. I think, I think you're onto something. I think that's a thing. Yeah. Also, I like, yeah. we didn't talk enough about the academic. Uh, I like the academic so much. He was so goddamn fun. Uh, oh, right. There, there is like a raving. The eye patch guy. Are you talking about Dan Crenshaw? <laughs> 
Dan Crenshaw? The scientist man who was like, yeah. nuke everyone. Oh um, my god, no I love yeah. him. I loved him so much. I love experts, and I trust them. Like, we need to be logical. Mm-hmm. Like, right at, like, he shoots, he shoots Roger, and the first thing you hear is, like, uh, a cross between Dan Crenshaw and Ben Shapiro being like, we need to be logical. The only answer. I, I guess I guess one closing thought, because we didn't really touch on this, I guess. It was really funny how the experts like weren't believed because they kept saying like conflicting stuff like mm-hmm. the same exact thing that's going on today. Like mm-hmm. at first the World Health Organization said don't wear a mask. The now they're World saying wear a mask. Health organization. Okay. So yeah. But I'm going to defend the experts. Uh, Brandon's a scientist. You should I all think... know. He should disclose that. Oh, He's a scientist. Yeah. I'm a grad student. I, I, I shouldn't have done not, this because we're supposed to wrap experts. up. <laughs> so, yeah, you started it. I'm sorry. And I'm a guest, so I'll never come back if you're mad. Uh, but basically, uh, I think that, like, the reason the experts are so bad in this movie and they're not in real life is because or the problem with real life is, like, this guy's a doctor, right? And they're asking his, like, what he thinks about, like, containing an active enemy on soil, right? So he's like, oh, nuke cities. And he's a doctor. Sure, but like, are you explaining to us why the Marxist World Health Organization lied to us? Why did the The Marxist World Health Organization lied to us because they didn't have the capacity to make sure everybody had a mask? Okay, look, I think I think that that that, like they obviously fucked up with coronavirus, (laughs) but I also think that you know, like changing information is part of what makes science accurate and so like knowing something new later you know like not knowing the Mm -hmm. entire fucking answer no but they they did know but they did this is exactly like those scenes you shouldn't have told people (laughs) to do anything until you knew exactly how long it lived on every single surface because you don't want to confuse people like, the WHO was never saying don't wear masks. Like, in China, mask immediately worn. And, like, the WHO was pretty clear about that. America lied, but yeah. you know, that's not the WHO's fault. Yeah, yeah. Brendan is right. Um, but also, I will say, like, what I liked about this is that it was almost pro-science in that, like, you're like, yeah, obviously these fucking experts don't know what to do with the fucking zombie they just met. Like, it, like, really lays that bare. So it's funny. Um, but we should have known a little bit better with this a bat or bird flu or whatever that we absolutely all knew was coming (laughs) all right on that (laughs) all right well everyone thanks for listening to this week's episode make sure you subscribe to our show um i don't know if we are uh if we're doing a live stream this weekend or not uh i would like to do it uh if we end up doing it uh we will tweet about it uh, so make sure to follow us on Twitter at SOTR pod. You can find us on Facebook at state of the revolution. You can email us at, uh, SOTR pod at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to sign up to our Patreon and give us your money, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash, uh, Michigan progressive. If you, uh, just to remind our listeners, if you sign up at the $50 tier, then you get to fight Alex. <laughs> so we're still doing uh, this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You I want people to know for it, dude. It was literally okay, your idea. It was yeah. literally your idea. I'm almost if, sure. If I, pay, I think it was Ben's if idea. I pay $50, but... Can I get someone else to fight Alex? We, yeah, you can. You can choose your fighter. This it costs way more. It costs way more. Okay. Yeah. For, All right. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. It costs way more. It's going to be bye. at least seventy dollars. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye.